This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of his house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So I don't know if you ever had an experience where you went in to be the teacher, but you walked out to the student more than the teacher. Um, that was definitely the case when we were in uh, Africa. Uh, now, I will say, going in, all of us had the talk where we said, none of us are going in believing that we're smarter than anybody else. We're not going in to be the savior of Africa. That's Jesus. We do have something we want to share, and that's something that we all prepared and brought in, talking about uh, the word of God and the importance of the word of God in various aspects of ministry. But I don't think any of us came in with, a, with an arrogance, and yet we were instructed and very humbled by how the Africans pray. This is a picture I was teaching a, a Monday of our trip. I had a chance to speak to a prayer group. Uh, this is all the pastors in a, the particular county in which Lemuru rests. And um, in this county, these guys gathered together for prayer every single Monday. And as we were coming in, they had already been in prayer for four hours. And then they came and listened to some American talk for another hour about whatever it was I was there to talk about. But I mean, their prayers were incredible and they were crying out to God. We walked in and this place was erupting in prayer as people were in their individual seats crying out to God for various things. After every sermon we preached for the whole conference in Lumuru, uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Peter uh, got up and he addressed the people and he said, we just received something from the Lord. We need to receive this in prayer. And after every single sermon, they would end that by to a gathering and praying and crying out aloud to God that God would allow them to hear this teaching and receive this teaching. It was a very instructive moment. 
In fact, one of the African pastors, Pastor McKenzie, kind of pulled us aside and he said, this is something about America where you guys will preach and then you'll rush off to do whatever it is that you wanna do. What we wanna be able to do is to pray and to receive and to contemplate and to listen and to see what God would have for us. Well, we're, as Adam said in his um, worship intro, we are, uh, in the series, we are the church, and we're walking through each of our distinctives and showing you a biblical foundation for who we are and why we are the way we are and what we're trying to accomplish. And one of our distinctives is a distinctive of fervent prayer. And we have felt all along that this is probably one of the hardest ones to keep in focus and to really hone in the way that we need to as a church. And so we wanna just, again, commit this to the Lord, ask God to help us. In fact, uh, this is our big idea for the day, and it's something that we all need to own individually. I don't think that we're going to pray as we can as a church until all of us individually really own this element, this need, this passion for prayer. And so the big idea of the day is really coming right from our text, which is, I will call on God in prayer for as long as I live. I love Psalm 116. I know I've mentioned before that it has been my habit for a very long time to read a psalm a day. And so I don't know how many times I have read Psalm 116, but somewhere along the way, it really became clear to me how much this psalm emphasizes the importance of calling on God in prayer. And I want you to see again, look at verse number one, and let's contemplate. Is this us? Do we have this same heart? Where the psalmist says this in Psalm 116, one, I love the Lord. Why do we love God? Because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Do we all own that level of passion for prayer? that we would say to God, God, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm gonna be a man, I'm gonna be a woman who calls on you, who lifts up my voice to you. And there's reasons why. And there are outcomes to prayer. And what I wanna focus on this morning as we look at this text is to see how did the psalmist get there? How did the psalmist arrive at this level of passion, this level of commitment to prayer? And I believe there are four outcomes that have come to him through the course of prayer that if we understand and own them, we too will be people of prayer. So four outcomes of prayer. Before I do this, let's pray. God, this is a, one of those things that I believe uh, I have no power to change, but I believe you do. As I look back in my life, Father, there's so many times when I have called on you and you have saved and you have delivered. And so again, this morning, I cry out to you. I long, Father, to be a man of prayer. I long to lead a church of praying people. And we need this strengthened in us and we need you to do it. And so this morning, we ask for your help, for the power of your word. In your name we pray, amen. Four outcomes of prayer, write this one down first. Deliverance. Deliverance is an outcome to prayer. And I wanna see this right from the text, if you would. Verse number two again, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. 
The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Now, we're not told specifically what the issue was the psalmist was facing. It could have been an illness where it was threatening his life. It could have been the attack of the enemy. That's all throughout the Psalms. This section of Psalms in particular talks a lot about the enemy and God's prayer against them or the the psalmist's prayer against them. But we don't know for sure what's going on, but we do know this. Look at verse number eight. He gets specific about some of the things that God delivered him from. In verse number eight, he says, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. Whatever happened, the psalmist was in desperation. That we know, and we know this. In his desperation, he made a choice, and that choice was to call on the Lord, and God heard his prayer. Have you ever been in desperation where you had to no other recourse but to call on the Lord? Uh, We spent a lot of time with Caleb Mitchell. This is Caleb and his family. Caleb is a missionary with ABWE to Uganda. So obviously, when we were planning a trip to Uganda, uh, we needed Caleb. And boy, did he, he was fantastic the whole trip. He had gone ahead of us. He had had eyes on a lot of the places where we were staying. He had met the people. Uh, He just was a gem. But his story is a very interesting story. He was in, um, he was a missionary for a long time in Africa when he uh, contracted a very severe case of malaria to the point where they weren't sure if he was gonna make it. It was a life-threatening case of malaria and he was brought home to the States and they prayed, the church prayed, his family prayed, they cried out to God and God literally, literally delivered his soul from death. And that's an amazing story. What's also amazing is, a few years later, he wanted to go back. (laughs) And who, what doctor would sign off on him going back? That's crazy. And yet, they felt the Lord leading, and they cried out to God, and they cried out to God, and they prayed, and God opened the doors for them to return to the mission field. And this is our God who hears prayer, who hears our cry, and answers, and delivers. Listen, there is a connection between desperation and deliverance. There is a connection between desperation and deliverance. And I don't know how much you and I know about desperation. You're gonna hear a lot in the coming days about this couple. This is uh, Adongo Joseph and his wife, Lydia. Uh, they, uh, he pastors uh, Kildera Baptist Church. This is the, and they also uh, run Mama's Heart School. They both meet in the same building in the way out 
uh, area of Tuwato, Uganda. I mean, they're way out of Tuwato. They are in the sticks. And this school, this church has dirt floors. Uh, I was gonna show you a picture of their restroom, but I decided not to do that this morning because it's simply a hole in the ground. And these folks are the poor of all poors, but Lydia and Adongo uh, have a heart and a passion for children. In fact, under their care right now, there are over eight kids that they care for personally who have been rescued from uh, teenage mothers who are seeking abortions. And if you don't know this right now, liberal agenda is bombarding Africa, willing to pay, trying to reduce population through abortion. And these girls are being offered money to get abortions when they're pregnant. And Lydia and Adongo have a heart for these children and they have rescued uh, more than eight kids from having an abort, from their parents having an abort and they care for them, but they are as poor as poor gets. And they cry out to God, and they cry out to God, and they cry out to God because they're in true desperation. Listen, when I got there, their school only had 10 plastic cups. They feed 200 kids. They have to feed them porridge 10 at a time because they couldn't afford plastic cups to pay all the kids. Now, we fixed that in a quick, fast hurry and got them some plastic cups, but the, there is such a desperation and a need. And our biggest Trial today is gonna to be figuring out if it's gonna be Culver's or Taco Bell. And most of us don't have to worry about where our next meal is gonna come from. And we have plenty in America. And we don't feel that same desperation. But I'm wondering if we should feel some desperation because when you look at the state of our country, the state of our culture, when you look at the need of the world and the need of America spiritually right now, I wonder if we should feel that desperation. We should feel desperate about the mission right here in our own country. And that should lead us to passionate prayer. Do you know that right now, Africans are sending missionaries to America? We were meeting with this group in Lemuru, this uh, pastor's group that I mentioned that meet together for prayer. We had lunch with their board and the board uh, uh, leader was saying, hey, have you heard? Our, our, we're, our Kenya is sending missionaries to America to win that pagan country back to Jesus. How are our missionaries doing? And we're like, uh, I'm sure they're doing great. But boy, that just is like, we think we're the savior when really we need a savior. And we're in a very churched city, so do we feel the desperation of the spiritual darkness around us? And I'm challenging us, we need to feel a desperation. I don't know that in your life you feel the desperation that you should feel about the things that you would cry out to the Lord for. Like, how passionate are we in our prayers? Do we really believe that God would hear our prayers? So no, you're not looking for your next meal, okay? But are there things that you should be crying out to God passionately for in your own life? And if we're not, what does that say about our belief about God? Who do we think God really is? 
Well, I, we talk about our desperation, but let's talk a little bit about God's deliverance. Because here's what you need to know. You need to believe what the word says about God. And if you believe what the word says about him, you're going to be one that will come and cry out to him. So what does the word say about him? Well, just look at verse number five. This is beautiful. What's the basis of God's deliverance? Listen, if you believe the basis of God's deliverance in your life is your own righteousness, you're going to be discouraged because you know you don't have any. But praise God, God doesn't answer your prayers because you're so good. And God doesn't answer your prayers because you did your devotions this morning or you went to church. God answers prayer because according to the psalm, let's look at verse number five. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. What's the basis of God's deliverance? Why does he deliver us? Because he is gracious and he is righteous and he's merciful. That's why he delivers us. Gracious. We talk about grace a lot here. It's God giving us the good things that we don't deserve. Isn't there so much in your life that's good that we know we don't deserve, but God gives us those good things because he is, church, he is gracious. Because he is, say it with me, gracious. God is gracious. I praise God that he's merciful. You know what mercy means, right? God withholding what I do deserve. I asked this a few sermons ago, but if God made a list of all the wrongs that you did in your life and then said, okay, I need to have one punishment for every wrong thing to balance this thing out, how would that go for you? But he doesn't. In fact, Psalm 103 says, he does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. He does not do that because he's merciful. Is that right? I mean, if I truly am a sinner and I truly have a list of wrongs, shouldn't God exact punishment on me? Isn't that the right thing to do? This is why there's a word in the middle of grace and mercy, and that word in the middle here is righteous. God is right to be gracious to you. He is right to be merciful to you. Because even here, God knows his son was coming to bear your sin, to bear your punishment. Jesus equaled the scales. Jesus fixed our problem. Here's a little gospel illusion right here in Psalm 116 for us to cling to. Why would we cry out to God? Because of the gospel. I don't deserve his goodness. I don't deserve his grace. I mean, to what degree is God merciful and gracious? Well, well even when we're foolish and we pray, he still delivers us. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Look at the next verse. Look at verse number six. The Lord preserves the simple. That word simple is often translated foolish. I can hear the argument. Yeah, but God, I got myself into this mess. I made these choices. I, I did this to myself. So here I am. God's just gonna let me lie in the bed I made, eat the cake I made. Is that the right phrase? I don't know. Have your cake and eat it too. I guess it doesn't really quite fit, but you get the idea is that we, we say this about God, like he's, you know, I deserve this. Well, you might deserve it, but you know what? He still preserves the simple. And when we're brought low, he'll raise us up if we cry out to him. Now, sometimes there are consequences. Sometimes there's discipline, but oftentimes, even then, we cry out to God and God delivers us. God delivers us.
I'm wondering how many stories you have of God's deliverance. I'm wondering how desperate you have felt. I'm wondering if maybe you believe that the things that you care about just aren't things that God cares all that much about. And so why pray? You ever think that way? Like, I really care about this, but God probably doesn't really care all about it. He's got so many people. He's so busy. He's so big. Like, why would he care about this? Well, Peter instructed us this way. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Read it with me. Because he cares for you. By the way, how many anxieties? I'm sure if I listed all my anxieties to Wayne, Wayne would look at my anxieties and he would say, listen, Ahsoka's gonna end fine. It's gonna be fine, okay? It's gonna come to a good conclusion. Don't, don't worry about them ruining Star Wars or whatever it is. But I mean, I'm sure if I sat down with, with anyone, anybody, and that's not really a big concern, but you get the idea if I can sit down with somebody and I can list out these are my concerns and someone will look ah, you know, eh. But God doesn't have that mentality. He cares about what you care about. He's burdened by what you're burdened about. And you can cast all of your anxieties on him. It's the idea of rolling it off your shoulder, like you have a backpack on, you're gonna roll that right off your shoulders. That's how much God cares about you. You roll that after him and he will take it. So listen, deliverance. What do you need delivered from? What is your faith keeping you from bringing to God? Deliverance is a key outcome of prayer. Number two, write this down, rest. Rest, and this is right in the text. So look at verse number seven, and I can't tell you how often in my life verse number seven has been a verse that God has brought my way just when I needed it. So Psalm 116, verse number seven. Look at this together. Return, O my soul, to your rest. Why? For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. What a great Great verse. Love that. Adam alluded to this in his leading worship from uh, Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What I love about this is here is the psalmist, and look at the text here. Look at verse number seven. Who is the psalmist talking to? His own soul. He's talking to his soul. We need to talk to our soul. You need to talk to your heart a little bit. You need to talk to your emotions. I love this quote by, by Paul Tripp. I, um, he's had a big influence, but this quote is awesome. He says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you talk, than you do. You are in an unending conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, and analyzing what's going on inside you and around you. Perhaps you're surprised by how angry you are at the remark of that coworker, or maybe you're rehearsing to yourself your schedule for the day. Perhaps you're reliving a conversation that didn't go too well. How often does that happen in my life? The point is that you are constantly involved in an internal conversation that greatly influences the things you decide, say, and do. Man, today's been a hard day. I need some soul help. 
Oh, wait, we're having tacos for lunch. Yes. Or I got nothing on my schedule. I can go home and put my comfy pants on right away. Or, okay, listen, I got this. I got this. I can get my head around this. I can get my hands on this. Somehow, some way, you're talking to yourself. And what you need to do is what the psalmist does and direct your soul back to your bountiful God. So let's talk a little bit about this word rest. Let's dive into the meaning of rest. There are two key words the Old Testament will translate into rest. The one word is shalom. That's one we talked about a lot when we talked about Sabbath in our Genesis series, where um, it's that everything is as it should be, God is in control, it's all right, God's got this and I can rest, there's that. But this word, is, this word here is uh, the word noach, and, and it literally means to settle in and to, to be at home. It is very much that idea of I'm home, I got my comfy pants, I got a nice blanket, I got a good book in my hands, you know, that I am Ah, I am at rest. I am settled in. And, and why? Why could the psalmist say that his soul can return to rest? Why? Because he prayed. And he gave it to God. This is yours, Lord. You will deliver me. You've got this. And I can, I can rest. Rest is not something we do well in our culture today. And the current generation we're bringing up is struggling more than any. More people are diagnosed with anxiety disorders today than ever before in the history of the world. We're not at rest. How are you doing with rest? How was your yesterday and the day before? There are things that'll just war against your rest, aren't there? But there's a reason to rest. And that reason is found at the end of verse number seven. How do I get to rest? Return, I love the idea of return, by the way. The return is, is, is beautiful. So it's, it's the idea of like, you, you, remember, you ever had this experience where it's like something happens, a tragedy happens, and now life is just way different, and you think, man, if I could just go back to yesterday before this happened, like I was so happy yesterday. Things were so good yesterday, and then today happened, and now I'm not at rest at all. Well, it's like, re, no, return to yesterday. Return to before, or if nothing else, man, when you were a little kid. Remember when you were a little kid? And like the greatest struggle you had in your life was Luke Skywalker's lightsaber broke on your action figure? Shut up, okay, with all the Luke Skywalker Star Wars illustrations. Where are you going today? It's been a while, okay? But like, remember when the, like, like the, like the biggest tragedy of your life was something like that? Like that was horrible and oh, for those days again, but that's the idea, return. Return to rest. Why? Because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. That word bountifully, this is Albert Barnes in his commentary. He uh, describes the word this way, to deal favorably or kindly towards anyone, 
to treat one with favor. It means here that God has shown him kindness and favor and had laid the foundation for gratitude and praise. God has been kind to me. It's bountiful, yes, but it's bountiful to me. Look at the text again. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And here's the deal. The psalmist had a story to tell. He had a real-life example of God's kindness that he can say, because God showed up to my answered prayer, I know he's been bountiful with me. This kind of rest only comes on the other side of answered prayer. And God is so good to hear our cry and to answer our prayers. It was back in 2019 that we had a prayer and praise service, and we put, this is a, we're in another building at the time, and we put this poster board all over the walls, and we had people just write their prayers. And this was uh, some of the screenshots, some of the pictures from that exact prayer moment, and you'll see a theme to all of these, which is, um, we need a building for worship. Please give us a building. God provide a building. We need a new building. 2019, we began to really pray for a new building. Look around. And the story behind this is miraculous. Like they were, I think you've probably heard this before, but they, when we originally were looking at this property, they were asking like $1.7 million for the property that we're currently in and all of this. And we were like, $1.7 million? Are you kidding me? We can't do that. So we walked away from this and it was only a short uh, time later when I got a call from his, the realtor to say, no, he, he can't get 1.7. He has to sell it for what he owes. Well, how much is that? Uh, $465,000. Well, that's a little better. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, maybe this is God answering prayer. So the elders came and we toured it. Some leaders came and we toured it and we decided, you know what? We're going to make an offer. So we wrote an offer uh, for the building. It was accepted. We went before our people. Maybe you, some of you were here and you remember us coming before and saying, hey, good news. God heard our cry and we bought a building. Everyone went, yay, all right, so exciting. And then that week, the fire inspector came to where we were meeting. We've been there for five years, but they came that week and they said, you know, um, you really shouldn't have children's ministry in these sections of the building. They're not coded for gatherings of children. We're like, well, when does that take place? Well, like right now, you can no longer have children in this section of the building. We're like, oh no, what are we gonna do? So I called and negotiated and got an early, um, you know, we got the building early. Um, and, and so we went before the church the very next Sunday and said, remember how I said we bought a building? Yeah, 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 we're moving today. <laughs> There's a U-Haul in the parking lot. And we did it, we moved and we renovated this whole building in a week and, we, and God just answered and provided. We needed the funds to do it. And I'll never forget the Sunday where we had to have that offering and the funds and I forget exactly what we needed. But I was like, <laughs> I mean, come on, to get that amount would be a miracle. And what happened is God brought in more than what we needed. And it's just him answering prayer. And, and we can say, God, you've dealt bountifully with us. I have um, brought my prayer journal in, and um, I was just flipping through it this week, and I've kept this. This is a post-fire, so 2017, and so this is the, the earliest prayers go back to 2017, though some of them I've been praying for already, but I've gone back and looked over and over again 
at just incredible thing. Um, Courtney was dealing with some back pain. God healed that miraculously, and he, he did um, uh, stuff about um, building stuff about just all kinds of things that God just showed up. And I have answered prayer after answered prayer after answered prayer after answered prayer. I needed new glasses. God provided new glasses. We needed uh, um, COVID-19 and all the stuff. that I mean, all these things that God has answered and been so bountiful. And, and I wonder if in your life, if you're not seeing it is because you're not writing things down or you're not remembering. Or maybe you don't have it because you're not even asking. There is a verse that says in James 4, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Have the right motive. Ask for God's glory, not for your glory. But when you ask, God will show up. And you can have things in your life that you can point to and say, you've dealt bountifully with me, you've dealt bountifully with me, you've dealt bountifully with me. And we all have this. We all have Jesus. And if you have no other example in your life of God dealing bountifully with you, he gave you his own son. He did not hold back Christ from you. And he's forgiven you. And every morning his mercies are new. Here's another outcome to prayer. We have deliverance. We have rest. Uh, we have gratitude. Now, gratitude is literally all over this uh, psalm, but it's really clear in Psalm 17. So I want you to look at the, uh, sorry, the verse 17 of Psalm 116. So take a look at verse 17 with me, if you would. He says it very, very uh, plainly. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and it's just rare. I, I, I feel really, really bad for anyone making any TV shows or movies today because none of them are ever good enough. You with me on this? Like, uh, read comments or reviews, and, and nothing is good enough anymore. It's like, what happened to the days of, oh, that was really great? You never see that. It's always something to complain about. And we're a, we're a, a, a culture that prides itself on being able to nitpick the silliest things, and we're just not grateful, but, but we can be a grateful people. In fact, there's another element here, and I can talk a lot about gratitude, but I want to grab a specific element because of our time today, and, and I want you to see this. Look at verse number 14 for a minute, and just several verses here, but verse number 14, it says this, I will pay my vows to the Lord, do you see this, in the presence of all the people, how about verse number 18? It's very similar. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So it's gratitude, but listen, it's public gratitude. It's gratitude that's being proclaimed and shared because church, listen, we need your stories. We need to hear about God's deliverance in your life. We need, to, we need to hear about how God is answering your prayers. 
Because when you're in the midst of it all and it's difficult, it's, it's sometimes hard to get our faith above the turmoil of life. But when you share how God has heard your cry, how God has delivered you, how God has shown up, and you're public about that gratitude, boy, it strengthens others. Along that line, I just wanna share one story. You'll hear more next week, but one story that was just incredible coming out of Africa. Uh, when we were in Tuoro, I have mentioned several times, it was a very remote location. In fact, uh, it's all dirt roads getting back there and rutted dirt roads. And if the rain was too heavy, uh, we could not get back to that Bible conference. And there were already gathered pastors, hundreds of pastors at that point in time that have gathered there for us. And we really wanted to get back there. Well, uh, that was, so we needed to get there uh, on Monday. Uh, Sunday, if I'm getting the story right, I think I'm, I'm all confused. Um, Thursday night, it was Thursday. We're there on Thursday. Thursday night, it began to rain pretty heavy. We're sitting there, in fact, um, enough to prompt a song out of Adam and I. I felt the rains down in Africa. You just can't not to do that. If you're in Africa and it's raining, how do you not sing that song? I mean, it's just like it's required, I think. So anyway, we, we were singing this song, and, uh, um, but then kind of thinking, uh-oh, this isn't great that it's raining right now because we've got to get back, we gotta get back there, and how are we going to get back there? Well, we, so we, you know, we prayed, and, and Adam sent out a, a bulletin to a small group asking them to pray. So the next morning we get up, and we start driving on the roads, and we notice they are dry. And we met with Adongo, who was the, uh, the uh, leader of it all. We got there. He said, you won't believe it. It rained all around us, but it didn't rain here. And he's at the end of it all. We got through the Bible conference. Everything is done. He prays and he literally says amen. And at his amen, at the very word, guess what happened? It started to rain. <laughs> Next day it was dry up until we said amen. And then it rained again. I mean, come on, God just does that. And you can be a skeptic and say, well, that's just weather patterns. No, it's not. It's a bountiful God who answers prayer. That's what that is. And, and doesn't that story just bolster your prayer a little bit? We're so grateful for God to show up and to hear our cry. And he will show up and he will hear your cry. Let's be a people who pray. Last outcome to prayer, four outcomes, deliverance, rest. And I know some of you need that right now. And I want to just encourage you to cry out to the Lord. Gratitude. See what you have. Thank God for it. But then also this, and this is really the reason why I chose the psalm in the first place. One of the outcomes of prayer is, well, um, prayer. That seems a little redundant, Pastor. Help us understand this. I sure will. Take a look at verse number 12. <clears throat> verse number 12 is incredible. I love this. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? Man, I think about all that God's given me, how he's delivered me over and over and over again. I think about how good God has been, man, and I want to give him a gift. You know, it's like Courtney's birthday. 
and I love my wife, and she's given so much to me, and I wanna, I wanna find that gift for her. You know what this is like? I wanna find that gift for her. When she opens it, she goes, oh, and I want her to cry just a little bit about how I nailed it, getting just the gift that her heart wants. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that what we want when we're really grateful to someone? We wanna give them that thing that means so much to them. So what does God want? What gift does God ask of us to give him? What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and read it with me. I call on the name of the Lord. (laughs) What does God want? More prayer, that's what he wants. What's the gift you can give God for all that he's done? More prayer. And and I want you to understand why. Prayer and trust go hand in hand. Prayer and faith go hand in hand. And your trust of him, your belief that he loves you, that he'll deliver you, your trust in him is a great gift to him. In fact, in Psalm 78, Asaph is recalling the history of Israel, and it's not pretty, it's not good. They cry out, God delivers, they fall away from God, they get in trouble, they cry out, God delivers, it happens over and over again. And in one of these cycles, Asaph reveals this to us. They had cried out for meat. You know, they were in and they didn't have any meat and they were like, yeah, bread's good. The manna from heaven, the miraculous bread you're giving us every day from heaven's good, but man, we want some chicken too. So um, this is now Psalm 78 where uh, Asaph says this, therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel. Why? Here it is, check this out because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his saving power. God wants you to believe in him. God wants your faith. Can you say that with me? Say, God wants my faith. God wants my faith. And your prayer is a way to exercise, to work out, to prove to God that I really trust you. That's why I pray. And when you pray, and when he delivers again and again and again, you will come to say, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because He inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. So how do you end a sermon on prayer? You have in your bulletin our prayer card for the month. Every month we do a prayer card, and this is something that I'm really hoping God strengthens within our church as a whole, and we're gonna give opportunities for this along the way, but here's what I wanna do just this morning. It's really simple. Uh, in October, we're praying for prayer. That's what we're doing. We're just praying for prayer. And we're asking God to help make us to be a people of prayer. 
And so if you would look at this card, and there's just, what are they, four requests? Um, and uh, I just want you to take a minute right now. And as a result of this, would you just pray? And would you ask God to do these things to strengthen your prayer in your life? Take a minute and do that, and then I'll close. Father, I don't know what you have for anyone else in the room today, but I know what you have for me. And I believe even this week you've allowed circumstances and situations to occur, things to happen to make me feel a desperation so that I would pray. And Lord, um, Maybe there are others in this room this morning that need it. Maybe we need to pray differently. Maybe we need, Father, to really believe that you are a God who delivers. Maybe there are things in our lives that are keeping us from the faith that we might have to really believe in you, to really cry out to you in prayer. And I know there are some, Father, who feel like they have cried, they have prayed, and you haven't heard. But Lord, I would pray that you would reassure their hearts of your love that, Father, they would see your hand in the areas you are working, and they would believe, and they would pray even more. Father, allow this to be something that changes. May we never be the same again as we consider what your word has said about prayer and about how we need to be a people of prayer. God, let our church be a church of prayer. Let our small groups be small groups of prayer. Let our families, Father, be families who pray together. And then, Father, individually, let us do that. And as you deliver, as you, as you work the miracles and you do incredible things, God, would you help us to be a people who proclaim your stories, who, who tell the congregation, uh, the assembly, about what you have done to bolster each other up so that it would result in even more prayer. Do that in us, Father, like only you can do it, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Redemption. You are loved.